detective. How's that geoengineering book coming along? Hey, Sam. It's, uh, it's pretty heavy. It's a lot to cover in this conversation, so we'll just we'll table that and get to the, the important stuff. But it is good to see you two back together again. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Good. It's good. Very nice. Um, s- yeah. You seem to know each other pretty well. Well, I am a journalist, so I do interview the police from time to time. Yeah, Sam's really mm-hmm. great as well at giving me good leads and tips on helping with some of the, you know, some of the cases that come my way. And I also give him good leads and tips on stories. Hmm. So what's this about Wendell Harrison? Well, I was hoping you could share some information and actually help me out there. That'd be great. Is it? It's Dayroot, right? It's Joff Root. Joff Joff de Root. De Root. Joff de Root. Joff de Root. Joff de Root. De Root. I just call him the professor. Perfect. The professor. I like that. Well, first I'd like to just kind of fill you guys in on what's happening with this case. Yeah, what, mm-hmm. what is happening? Yes. Um, I'm so, afraid I don't know much about Wendell. He is an Oklahoma City historian. That's how I got in touch with him. But I haven't spoken to him in probably months now. Well, that's exactly why we're here. I really need you to be able to share with me the last time you saw him because Mr. Harrison is actually dead. Oh, he's what? He's dead. That's not possible. He died in his apartment a few months ago. Months? And we just found out. Yes, we just found out a couple of days ago, which is when I left you that voicemail. How is that possible? Shouldn't somebody have looked in on him? Well... Nobody knew until the stench of his body began to fill the apartment complex and there was a complaint about the smell. Hmm. I knew he was a loner, but for months, that's incredible. Must have had his bills on auto pay. I believe that is correct, yes. Since you were on his phone as the last person with whom he was in contact, I would hope that you could maybe give me some insight. I know it's been months ago, but... Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we here on the podcast have been running across several strange sigils, um, basements and other underground passages here in Oklahoma City, all with historical context. These uh, prompted me to think into more of Oklahoma City history, which led me to Mr. Harrison, who was the pretty much premier historian on what we call the Chinese tunnels, the old uh, Chinese district where uh, folks dug basements and sub-basements and sub-sub-basements to have kind of a labyrinthine sleeping system. Uh, he'd done a great deal of research on it, and I wanted to see what he might think. Is there anything that he mentioned during that conversation that would lead you to believe he was in danger? Not at all. He seemed very excited to share his research. He doesn't seem to talk to too many people, which I suppose holds true since it's been months since he's he's gone. Uh, I didn't realize it was going to be our last conversation. Yes, I really need you to think and try to recall as many details about that conversation as possible. Well, actually, we just happened to have that conversation recorded. I lent him my audio equipment so he could record that conversation. So Mm -hmm. I can send you those files. Was this for your podcast then? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Please send that over to me, Sam. That would I greatly appreciate that. Yeah, I Thank will you. email those over to you as Thank soon as I get you. back from the station. So you were present during the conversation. Uh, actually, I wasn't. I was actually recording Got it. another interview with local lights while Joff was doing 
that interview. Mm-hmm. I was adept with the equipment, yes. Perfect. Mr. Deroot? Deroot? Deroot. 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 Professor, um, do you think there's anybody else attached to his research with the tunnels who might have wanted him harmed? Harmed? Uh, we didn't really have any names other than the historical George Grayson. And Mr. Grayson, you don't think would have approached him and... and oh. Oh no, he he's part of Oklahoma history going back to 19 teens and 20s. Uh, last I th- record is maybe the 1960s, so he would be well over 100 years old by now. Yeah, that makes sense. That wouldn't be much of a fight. I'm really glad you guys keep up with history because I have to keep up with cases. So, mm-hmm. when he spoke with you, was he acting differently? I know you don't have very good background with him but is there anything that would have tipped you off that he was nervous about something or worried that somebody might be not especially sideways maybe he was much of a loner he just kind of hung out and did his own research Uh, he was only through his research that i knew him so i would say that it's surprising that no one else reached out to him i didn't think he was that much of a loner but Apparently so. I kind of have a more personal question than the two of you with the underground episode or incident. The two of you with the underground incident that put a strain on your relationship and you were there talking to Mr. Harrison about the underground tunnels. So is there anything that you think he could have been involved with with the underground tunnels that could have led to this demise? I was a researcher as far as I knew. I had some other contacts. Um, we weren't trespassing. That was simply a recorded documentary of uh, our fictional creation. Fair enough. Okay. Well. This isn't an investigation on you and your discoveries as much as it is trying to find what happened to Mr. Harrison and you're my last connection to him while he was alive. Oh, that conversation's the last I had with them. If I had known it would have been, that would have changed everything. I wish there's something I could have done. I just feel like there has to be some connection to that conversation and what happened to him in his apartment. Is there anyone else who knows about the underground tunnels with whom you two have had connection or that he happened to mention in that conversation with you? Well, as the professor did mention, he was investigating a lot of interesting historical things, so who knows what else he could have been investigating. Mm -hmm. From the way you're speaking, I assume it's not natural causes. It is being currently investigated as a homicide. Has there been an autopsy? There has. I can't discuss things, but... What did his eyes look like? Like I said, I'm not able to discuss that with you. I think you just confirmed a theory for me. To be clear, I confirmed nothing. I understand. Is there anything else you need from us? No, if you'll remember to send that interview over to me, and if you guys can think of anybody who is associated with the different research projects that he's been doing, or if anything tied to these research projects could potentially put him in jeopardy, Life-wise, please share that information with me. 
Mm-hmm. We certainly will. Uh, Sam, we have another interview I've scheduled. I think we should get going. Oh, I didn't know we had another interview after this. Oh, I, um, I may have sent an email, I believe. Okay, well, all right. Well, thank you again, Detective. Yes, thank you both. And I'm, again, so happy to see you guys together and looking forward to your next podcast. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your help. Hello, I'm Sam Saxon. I'm Professor Joffre de Root. And you're listening to Tales Unveiled. Where we explore ghost stories. And urban legends. This episode of Tales Unveiled is sponsored by Oki Comics. For another unique exploration of Oklahoma stories in comic book form, check out okiecomics.com. That's O-K-I-E comics.com. Along the car ride to our interview, I asked the professor why was he interested in the eyes. He said he was just curious and not to worry about it. We drove in silence the rest of the way until we arrived in downtown Edmond at Cafe Vogue. I ordered myself a mocha as the professor tracked down our interview subject, who was sitting outside in the shade of the back patio. Ah, Miss Vinge, hello. Hello. Yes, uh, this is Sam Staxon. He's a reporter here. Uh, Sam, this is Marnie Vinge. She's a local podcaster. Hello, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So, uh, I'm sure Jeff... The professor has told you a little bit about what we do, mm-hmm. uh, so but I'd like to know a little bit more about yourself. Okay, so I am a local podcaster here based out of Norman, and um, I work with The Spy in Oklahoma City, the radio station, and I produce a podcast called Erioki, and the tagline for it is exploring the darker side of the Sooner State. So we basically cover um, true crime, paranormal stuff, urban legends, anything that's spooky that falls under that Oklahoma umbrella. Fascinating. Nice to hear that there are other people kind of doing similar things to us. There's a, a lot going on in the state. It's a great it's a great thing to be covering. How did you get started with that? Um, I wanted to start a podcast and the idea just kind of um, I, I'm a writer too and I mainly write thrillers and um, horror type stuff and so it kind of just fell into my lap the idea for it did and um, I love Oklahoma. I've lived here my whole life um, and I love a good ghost story so as story as any. Uh, so you have any personal stories for us to tell? Actually, the most, uh, one of the coolest things that's happened with the podcast is I did an episode where I got to talk to Becky Luker at the Stone Lion Inn, mm. and um, she is absolutely delightful, probably one of my favorite people I've ever met. And when I went in to do the episode, um, I had no intention of trying to capture anything. Um, I didn't bring a camera with me I didn't you know I didn't have any intention of that we just sat down did the interview and I recorded it edited it and listened to it a couple times that night before I put it up on the podcasting platform then in the morning I got a message from a listener and she said hey you need to listen to the 2526 timestamp on this podcast there's something there and we actually caught what has been said by a couple of people to be a class A EVP on that podcast. And it sounds like a voice coming in in the middle of our conversation and saying, there's, there's debate among the listeners, either come play or go away. For those curious what this EVP sounded like, she was kind enough to send over the clip, which I'll now play for you.
Yeah. They needed a playroom, so yeah. that was apparently their playroom. And that's a room where we are we constantly hear movement around and my children oh, wow. have would hear somebody playing in their closet. Yeah. They have a toy closet on the third floor. Wow. Yeah. We didn't get anything like that when we were there. And supposedly people saw a figure, but I wasn't paying close attention. And there was that incident with the lights that I think it was just bad electrical wiring. Hmm. Did you have any feeling during There the was recording? one point during the podcast, I remember, and in the episode, I say at one point to Becky that I got chills from a story she's telling me, but there was another point during the podcast when a cold feeling kind of came over me and I didn't say anything because I just thought that it was the fact that it was summer and we were both kind of sweaty and like there might have been a breeze that came through and so I thought maybe that was the cold feeling I was getting but I kind of wonder now if that coincided with the moment that the voice came mm. through so I don't know could be classic temperature differentials hmm. could be or could just be the chills Anyway, since we're here in downtown Edmond, did you have any stories for us in this area? I don't have any personally, but I know someone who does. The three of us took a short three-block walk to a 1930s house that was painted green, yellow, and purple. Hanging on the front porch was a round wooden sign that read, Silverleaf Gems. Inside was a gift shop with a specialty for Southwest and statement jewelry and a person who is well-versed in Edmund Ghost Stories. Guys, I want you guys to meet Stephanie Carroll. This is Sam. Hello. And Hi. Professor Joff DeRoot. How's Joff DeRoot? All right. And Stephanie is the chairman of the Edmund Historic Preservation Trust. That is correct. All right. And could you tell us a little bit about what that means and what you do? Um, we do a lot of the history preservation in downtown Edmund or Edmund, the city in general. And so we try to preserve some of the older homes and the businesses, um, especially the downtown Edmond area, because there are such old buildings down here. Um, some of the original buildings are still standing that were um, built back in the late 1800s. So really we try cool. to uh, make sure that those stay up and stay in good condition, and then we document all the history of those buildings. So how did Edmund get started as a city then? Um, it was back in 1887, and it was actually just a train stop. It was a water stop for the trains, and um, it was actually called Summit. And so there was one family that lived here at the time. It was the Steens and they were the water stop. So the trains would come to Edmond, which used to be called Summit because of the height of our city. It's kind of high up on a hill. And so um, they would go through. The name change occurred when a railroad worker who was like one of the engineers stopped here and his name was Edmund Burdick and they changed it to Edmund. So it was just a random guy coming through town. I didn't know <laughs> and that. And they changed his name. Yeah, so the town has grown up a whole lot since then. You know, um, downtown Edmund was the original um, part of the city and now it's up to 90,000 people living here, so it's huge. Kind of getting into the modern times, for those that haven't visited Edmund, what would you recommend to someone who's just want to be a tourist for a day here? I would say downtown Edmund for the fact that while you're down here, you get to read the history of Edmund. All the buildings have plaques on them that talk about, you know, the early days of the buildings and what was here. Um, but there's also public art and there's like, I think 190 art pieces 
um, in Edmond now. So you can kind of look at art while you're down here. You can learn the history, but there's a lot of really cute shops down here and you can eat and drink your way through downtown Edmond. So there's a lot to do. We certainly saw quite a few pieces of public art and some interesting businesses as we walked here from Cafe Vogue. Yeah, absolutely. With such a long history, are there any remnants of the past? Yes, there's a lot of different ghost stories. Um, the Edmund Historic Preservation Trust puts together a ghost tour every year. Um, mm. This year it's going to be October 25th and 26th. Um, it's in the evenings. Tickets are $7 and it's right in downtown Edmond. Um, and we talk about a lot of the different ghost stories um, that we have gotten from either residents, um, business owners, or a um, couple of retired police officers and UCL police as well. Um, so we've got some really great stories of, of different situations that people have gone through what are some of those stories um one of them that's very interesting is a house um that is located south of uco this house is pretty well known for ghostly activity um it's a very cool house i won't say where the location is but it is um a lot of the houses are built on top of the old city cemetery and so the story is, I haven't done the actual documentation, but a lot of people have confirmed it. Um, when they built Graceland Cemetery, the families paid to have their family members moved to Graceland Cemetery. If the family couldn't pay, the person's still buried underneath where the houses and yards are. Um, so one of these houses, they think there are several people buried on the actual location of the house but they have had multiple people move in and out of this house. And one of the really interesting stories that we got from a woman that lived there, um, she had a two-year-old child at the time, and the child would constantly say or stand by the back door and say that she wanted to go play with the baby that was in the backyard. And the mom was like, I don't understand you know, what she's talking about, but she always wanted to go play with the baby in the backyard. And she would see things in her home move. Um, she would have lights turn on and off and she would have things go missing. Well, the, she decided to move out of the house because too many strange things were happening and it was freaking her out. And she was a single mom with her two-year-old daughter. Well, she ended up working for, I think it was dispatch police department and they kept getting phone calls to this house. Um, and the police would come to the house and Someone would say someone was looking in the kitchen window. Well, the kitchen window is way high up off the ground. So there's no way for you to physically stand outside the kitchen window and look in um, without a ladder or something. And um, she would tell her story to the home, whoever was living at the home. And they would compare stories and it was the same story every single time. Um, so that is still going on today at that same location. Wow. Yeah. Anything from any of the businesses downtown? Um, we have several businesses that have some kind of freaky things that happen. One of the businesses, um, and they can't figure out exactly what's going on, uh, but they hear footsteps all the time. Um, the footsteps seem to be sounding like a woman's heels. Um, and it goes up and down a staircase um, and up and down from the front of the store to the back of the store. But they'll have a floral arrangement that gets messed up all the time. Um, and so they've talked to the spirit or whatever and told them hey can you at least leave the flowers alone because we're having to resituate it and it'll calm down for a little while but then it starts right back up another one of our businesses that's down here and i personally have 
had this happen to me while I was there. There's a woman ghost. And the reason why we know it's a woman ghost is because we've heard her. She sings and there were customers in the store whenever it occurred. And so while she was there and she was singing, they said, oh, that's really pretty music. You know, where's that coming from? And my answer to them, oh, oh, it must be the people in the building next door. Because I didn't want to freak them out or anything. But she has the world's worst perfume. So whenever her spirit would come into the room and you smell the perfume, you knew she was there. It was Eau de Paris, yuck. Um, and so it was very strong. But while we were there, there was an instance where my sister was sitting in a chair and I'm just doing my business, you know, not paying attention to what's going on. And I see her jump up and jet out the room and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And the chair next to her turned and faced her and moved towards her. And so we weren't in that room anymore after that. Um, Cause it, it just, the chair was way too heavy to do that on its own. So it was kind of weird, but it was neat. Um, there is another business that has a small boy ghost and that business it's the last four owners and this these businesses have been there for a really long time all four have reported the same thing and he plays tricks you can hear him giggle but it's just very weird occurrences um you might have to edit this part out i'm like so absorbed in the story that like <laughs> Sorry. i'm having yeah. trouble thinking of questions yeah. um are there any specific businesses you can tell us about um not that I've gotten permission from okay. the owners to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping to get that soon so we yeah. can add it. But we do talk about those on our ghost tour. Okay. Um, we do have one gentleman on the ghost tour that helps us every year. Um, his name is Carl. And he actually tells the story about his own home. Um, oh, and so cool. he has firsthand knowledge of the things that happened whenever they were living there. So it's um, his story is really great because he's talking about his own situation. Yeah. It's always great when you get firsthand. I know. Like, I yeah. love it. Yeah. So what's the story? Um, his story, he talks about things that would move. They actually saw apparition mm. um, in their home. And so um, he would talk about door slamming all the time and things moving and um, actually seeing something. So that's something I would like to do. I want to see. Okay. Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you uh, off downtown Edmond um we were in Galveston and if you guys have never been there it's the best place to go um for ghost stories and and tales um but my sister's a photographer and we were down there and we were at Ashton Villa and she was outside and it was probably one o'clock in the morning or something and um she was outside she was taking night photographs of Ashton Villa and when she did she saw something come to the window put its hands on the window she snapped a picture and she got out of there and um, they have that photograph because it looks exactly like the old seaman um, that used to have that house that built the house um, it's his face and his hands are on the glass and it, that is the closest that i've come to actually seeing um wow seeing it yeah it was the coolest thing i've ever seen so that's chills. kind of got me into it and got me into oh i've got to see you know mm -hmm. what's going on um when we were younger, um, my mother had a situation where they lived out in North Oklahoma and, um, she actually, and they saw it many times, would see a, an Indian on the back part of their property and he, you could see right through him, but it was a full on apparition. And so she didn't tell us about it for the longest time, but she 
knows what she saw. So um, that got me into it. And I was like, oh, I got to go. I got to go see this stuff. Yeah. Has anybody mm. ever um, captured anything on the ghost tours, like taking pictures or? Um, not that they have brought not up to shared. us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that there's pictures out there, but I haven't gotten any okay. myself. Mm. Yeah. I would love to get some though. Definitely. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, besides downtown Edmond, what other ghost stories can you tell us? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of, there's another house, um, that is here in Edmond and it's one of the older homes as well. Um, that house actually it back in, I think it was the 1930s or forties. Um, a woman committed suicide in the clawfoot um, bathtub that was in the home. And that house is still haunted today. There's still people living there. Um, in fact, they rented out, um, that particular house has a lot of flashing light kind of anomalies going on and so they'll see strange things out of the corner of their eye um they'll have strange smells doors will open and close lights go on and off the tv goes on and off but they hear moaning and it's the same moan every single time um and so the people that we interviewed that were talking about the house um, they said that the previous owners had actually blocked off the second floor and so had nailed up boards and stuff so you couldn't get up to the second floor because that's where the, the suicide happened and they didn't want to go anywhere near it. And when the new owner came in to refurbish the house, they took that down and opened it all up and everything. And for some reason, nobody will go near that claw, claw foot tub. Um, and they don't know the story but they just would not go near it. And finally they went ahead and got the history because they just kept hearing that moaning sound and they found out about the woman um, that had committed suicide there. And so um, the clawfoot tub has not been moved. It weighs way too much and they cannot get it down the stairs. Um, So it's still there to this day. Oh my gosh. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. for sure. Um, What about as far as like the college goes, UCO, um, I've heard stories about Old North um, having ghosts and also uh, Myrtle Hall. I have not gotten the documentation for the Myrtle Hall one, but the stories that I've heard from the um, Old North um, people that I've talked to um, talk about hearing sounds and footsteps inside Old North. And whenever they go to investigate where it's at, they'll walk onto the floor that they think it's at and it's moved to a different location. And so... um, the gentleman that I talked to went and was investigating the sounds that he was hearing. And he actually saw like a black mass or black something go by him and take off down the hallway. And he said he left, never went back. So oh, wow. he's not doing it again. Professor, have you heard any stories about the college? Uh, in my research, I've come across several articles specifically about Mitchell Hall, the theater. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which... I've- yeah, I haven't heard a lot. I mean, I've heard about a few stories, mm-hmm. but not enough to build something on. So that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, spirits like shows, I suppose. Uh, theaters are often hotbeds of activity, which uh, several different paranormal investigation teams have been in there and recorded EVPs and heard footsteps. And some even say uh, an apparition walking through the aisles. Oh, that would be cool. That would be neat to see. Yeah. To echo what you said about the original cemetery in town, I uh, interviewed a security guard who was telling about being routinely called to a house as the lady complained of people walking on her roof. So over and over again, to the point that she said she could hear them and they were standing outside and saw no one. I've heard that story too. So Mm -hmm. 
I'm sure that it's the truth because a lot of those houses over there are having the same issue. I know the apartments that are located over there um, get calls quite frequently for the same type of activity. And if you're trying to rent it, why would you lie? Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Do you know how old those apartments are? Those apartments at least have been there since the 60s. Okay. Yeah. And most of the houses that have the hauntings are pretty historic in Those nature. are like, ni- I'm going to say 1910s, 1920s. Okay. Um, the house that you guys are at today is built in 1930. So okay. about that time frame. Is there ever any activity here? No, I wish. <laughs> I would be so happy if there yeah. was. I feel the same about my house. I know. <laughs> I've always wondered about the old school building. Um. Uh, for the territorial schoolhouse? Yes. Um, no, we haven't had anything happen. And I've been there at all different hours of the of the day, and I haven't had anything happen, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, I have gotten quite a bit of information. I'm still gathering quite a bit more um, about one of the middle schools in Edmond. Hmm. And it has been known since the 1980s to have a lot of activity. The administration has not confirmed it, but everyone that has gone there talks about it. Mm -hmm. And there's slamming lockers. You hear people talking. Um, One instance, my daughter went there, and um, right in the middle of class, the radio went on blaring in the classroom. He went and turned it off, blaring again, and they did it multiple times, and everyone knew exactly what it was. But um, you've heard, they've heard of, you know, someone being in the bathroom with them or um, seeing something out of the corner of their eye. And that one's, that one you can look up. I mean, it's, there's so many people that talk about that ghost. Hmm. It's crazy. Um, any reason there would be a spirit there? Not that I know of. I looked to see if I could find any type of history of anything happening at that location, but that's also on the area where the old cemetery was. So hmm. it could be from there as well. Is there any other stories you want to tell us? I can tell you about um, Gandini's Circus. Uh, Most people know about Gandini's Circus, but it's over on Kelly. I know that the property just went up for sale recently, and the sign's already gone, so somebody may have already bought it. But it is a a lot. Um, I don't know how many acres it is, um, but whenever I was growing up even, um, back in the early 70s and stuff, you could hear the lion's roar and all that kind of stuff in the morning whenever you woke up. So you, they still had animals at that time. But the property is about as creepy as you can get because there's still circusy things that are just left abandoned there. So there's like cages and places where supposedly the clowns were housed in one of the things that have burned down, one of the trailers that have burned down. Um, and there's like remnants of circus memorabilia laying around the lot. So um, most people know about that. Of course, there's no trespassing, but um, I know people have gone and checked it out. So, um, but supposedly it's haunted as well. What haunts it? Just circus? I folk? think it, they hear old animal-like Animals. sounds. Hmm. Yeah, um, they ha- have heard that. They've heard voices, um, and they've seen lights. So those are the things that they've seen. Do you have any other stories you could tell us? I think that's it. All right. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, I had a great time. Come in anytime. Thank you so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Make good notes. Tales Unveiled is a production of the Show Starts Now Studios and is produced by Dennis Spielman. The voice of Sam Saxton is Dennis Spielman. 
The voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot is Jeff Provine. We would like to thank our guests for sharing their stories with us, Marnie Vinge of Erie, Oklahoma, and Stephanie Carl. This episode also features the vocal talents of Christy Boone as Detective Valerie James. Also, a special thanks to Commonplace Books in Oklahoma City for hosting the detective scene and Cafe Evoke for the Erie, Oklahoma meeting. To support this podcast and get bonus content, visit www.talesunveiled.com. This episode's advice comes from Winston Churchill. Sometimes when fortune scowls most spitefully, she is preparing her most dazzling gifts. (laughs) ¶¶